0: Today's episode, 990 Talk, basically brought to you on Borrowed Time by Michael Knapp from Draper & Kramer. He's still a good mortgage broker, but I think he needs to renew the sponsorship. So if you're listening and you want to sponsor, uh, whether you're Michael Knapp or somebody else... We've gotten some people to reach out, by Reach out to us. Yeah, so... Um, I also think I should call Michael Knoppson and ask him if he wants to re-up it.
1: Maybe he'll consider oh, wait, yeah, that. We we'll should probably start the renewal conversation. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And also we'll, we should do that. Let's get let's give him a call. But uh so we're gonna call him today. You should call him today, 847-239-7804. should we, should we
1: call him on the show? Let's try.
0: Later. Maybe. A four no, commi- no, no. Yeah, no commitment. Yeah, I
1: don't want to I don't want you to have to edit this part yeah. out if we do. Maybe
0: we will we'll see how it's going. 847-239-7804. 847-239-7804.
1: Hey, Mom, what's up? I really, What I really want to know is
0: how supportive Malka is of this podcast venture. Believe it or not, you're going to be really excited about this. But uh, we are... Uh... Probably not.
1: If you and Ari are calling me about something. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, that went well.
1: I think she hung up. <laughs> you guys are so
0: bored,
2: seriously. <laughs>
0: Are you going to listen to it? Well, I don't know. I try so to listen to things that didn't relate to my life. <laughs> wow, that, that hurts. Oh, That's that that great. right in the guts. <clears throat> I mean, you guys have
1: nothing better to do with your time. I figured it's about time you do something.
2: Now, you're obviously very bored because you have no idea if it was going to actually be happening. So you guys are <laughs> exactly.
1: We're calling it 990 yeah. Talk. A lot of people out there think that those who can't make profit work in nonprofit. And that may or may not be true. You know, we're just like two
0: dudes in in a world that most people are focused on chasing every dollar. We kind
1: of just want to show people that there's a niche for guys like us. In the meantime, we're out to at least talk about what it means to work in nonprofit. You know, just like changing the world is more important. I'm going
2: to do me and you can do you, but I'm going to do what I love, do what I love, I'm going to do me. And, and I are spaced back. out, Whoa,
0: and he forgot to hit the mute unmute button for the mics. But I'm having a
1: pretty good day, though. So I, that, that that small little blunder there, I don't want that to uh, don't don't knock don't knock me down. Oh, My mic you down. is falling.
0: I, but it's only it's very oh, early. How gosh. you how you? I mean, listen, we took our
1: well, our, uh, we took our own advice. We're not recording
0: late. We're doing early today.
1: Yeah, must so be we're energy. peppy. We're peppy. Speaking of energy, I just want to give a shout out to. Uh, I was in the Starbucks uh, drive-through line today, and it was very slow, like really slow, like 22 minutes. Um, and then I realized as I was ordering in front of me was the, the great queen volunteer Hasi Yeah. Um, I texted her, we better get our coffees for free cause we've been waiting in line so long. Who's we though? Uh, shout out to her. I did get my coffee for free because she paid for it. I made sure to let her know that. I, you. No, you did. Really? I said, I said, oh, why'd you do that? I said, if I wouldn't known that coffee was on the house, I would order. And what'd she say? If she's like, I knew you were going to say that I shouldn't have told you. Well, now the whole world knows. Anyways, so I got a good coffee. Thank you. And um ready to tackle the day. And there's a lot going on. We have a lot. There really is a lot to talk about, but I don't think we need to rehash everything that's happened since the last time we were here.
0: No, but I do think you want to hashtag what... Ha, you want Sorry. <clears throat> you want to rehash what has happened in the last 48 hours. It's actually been longer than that.
1: No. It's been longer. I had a lot. There was a lot of traveling going on. Um, but there is one story that I think we decided on the spot we needed to share. It's a can, pretty good story. Can I just
0: say that... Sorry to everyone who heard it right from you Because you told it so many times
1: I have not I talked <laughs> to three people Maybe Four, five, six anyway, people get, get, just get to it Alright, the story goes like this So Cirilli and I uh, We manage You know, there's parts of our jobs That we like Of our job That we like more than others And uh, our job landed us In Florida on Sunday For a meeting um, And then f- Sunday night We went out to dinner Just the two of us It was very romantic We went yes, to Fuego mm-hmm. and And uh, we Celia is I uh, mean, listen he, he's got a lot of qualities about him that might be like childlike. I think that's, um,
0: it's fair. I can I I spell that.
1: Yeah. So when we landed in Florida, it was his first time in Florida in Miami. He's really excited. And he's like, oh my gosh, we're probably gonna see so many Jewish people that I know. I know so many Jews. I'm so popular, blah, blah, blah. So he I said, what's the over so under? Popular. well, that was the, that was the read between the lines. No, it was not. She's so like, what's the over under? Like how many Jewish people am I going to know? Like, am I going to see that I know? And I'm like, I-, I don't know. I was trying really hard not to like be mean to you. Not to be, bitter, or not to not to
0: else, not to play along. Um, probably
1: a little bit of both. Well, first of all, yeah, I don't, also, want, to, I don't you, want to fuel you're, you're missing this. You're the making the story that take We longer. saw someone on the plane already that we knew. You're making it r- right, but that wasn't like a big deal. It was like, oh my god, I know that guy. You're like, who's not him? <laughs> sure enough, it was him. <laughs> you, you weren't sure. Well, I wasn't sure because you were convinced it wasn't him and then we realized it was him on the way off that yeah, does, doesn't let's make go. it a okay case. hurry up you, you just did that you just derailed I my storytelling No. no because you're going to say my storytelling takes a long time it's your fault not mine anyway there we are sunday night we're at fuego great restaurant you There's, missed you left a part out what part what i oh, said sorry, in the airport yeah, yeah. oh my gosh this is getting bad all right you we land you're like over under how many Jews am i going to see that i know and i'm like i don't know seriously really. you're like how about 10 is that too much I'm like, it really depends what we end up doing for dinner because we weren't sure if we were just going to like pick up or we were going to actually eat in a restaurant. So I'm like, Go, you know, let's see what happens. So you didn't see anyone the day during the day. Um, and then we went to dinner and we went to this Fuego and there's probably like 100 people there. I think there was like 250. It was, it, it was okay, packed. It was, right, it was 250. It was a lot of people. It was more than 100. It was probably one of it was 100, 100, 100 people probably outside. 100, 150. There was 100 to 150. Okay, stop. Stop. It's not true. There was more you're, than 100 people. I, there was, but not like don't say there's 100 people outside. There's there could like, have been 60 people outside. There was like 30 people. There was definitely more than 30 people outside. I, I would have said it's somewhere between 100 to 150 people in the restaurant. You get up to go to the bathroom at some point. You come back. You're like, oh, my God, I didn't even look around, and I saw three people I know. I'm like, okay, wow, well, you're up to three. We have to eat you. or four at that point. Anyway, we're winding down our dinner, and a guy walks out of the restaurant. We were eating outside, and he like kind of walks past the table. And my my buddy slowly here like snaps his fingers at him. And wait, am I am I using different names for to protect the innocent? I don't know, but I think I was more barking than snapping. Uh, okay, I was again, like, hey, yeah, you're like, oh hey, hey, label, hey, label, label, hey. And he this guy like sheepishly kind of turns around. And he looks at slowly and so like, hey. And he's like, oh hey, what's up, man? And he, he comes over to the table, and slowly's like, am, am I going all out like details here? Just hurry up. <laughs> I'm sorry. The interviews in 17 minutes. Let's go. All right. So you're like, oh, hey, you look good. And he's like, what? You're like, you look good. He's like, oh, thanks. And then Sully's so like, yeah, I see you on some dude's statuses. You can't see this now. Sully so really is is currently blushing. I'm dying again. I'm, I'm dying again. We <laughs> have to relive it. Uh, he's like, oh, haha. Ha, ha. And Sully's so like, oh, so you live in Florida now, right? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, you moved straight from the lake house. I don't even know what that meant. And he's like, and he's like, haha. Ha, ha. And then it's like awkward silence. I surely didn't introduce me to the guy, which is just weird, but that's really. Um, so I was not even a part of any of this interaction. I was just sitting there like an idiot looking at the two of you. The guy goes, Hey, all right, nice to see you. And then he like kind of walks you, away. One second. Oh, he actually should I say what he, he might have said he nice have to meet you, nice to, to, to see me. you. He like he's like, Oh, nice to meet Unclear. He's oh. like, Nice to meet I mean see you. And then he walks away and Surely looks at me with this really like innocent like look, like was that was that the was that the right guy? I look at I'm like, dude, I don't I don't I don't even know what you're talking about. And he reaches into his phone, he takes a, he takes Instagram, he opens Instagram, he gets the guy's account, shows me a picture of the guy who he thought was label. Um, he goes, this guy's label Wiener. Is this the guy we just saw? And I said, absolutely not. That is a totally different guy. You were played. And he did a great job. He did a good job. So shout out to Unknown, the fake label label wiener. Yeah. Um, to the real label wiener, if you're listening, um, you, you're probably a good guy. And you look great. And apparently you look great. <laughs> right. Right. When we recap the conversation, like, oh my gosh, you didn't know that guy. He just came over because he, whatever, wanted to play along. Oh my um, God. The first bad. words that came around were, you okay, look good. Okay, let's move on. You look good. Okay. That's uh, well, just I'm sorry. Like, what? what? Yeah, you look good.
0: Okay. Anyway. Um. Okay, so uh, I guess on that note, <laughs> trash more of uh, gaffes in public settings or public gatherings. Let's As just go. people
1: are starting to get, you know, there's going to be some more. Yeah, COVID especially is. Especially with what. I don't want to call it too no, 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 soon. No, 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 no. It's the warm weather. Blame it on the warm weather. COVID might be in the fourth quarter. We'll see. Hopefully. Um,
0: speaking of which. Okay, so uh, board of directors um, of, I guess, uh, gaffes in social settings or public gatherings, um, you seem to not be ready, even though this is your idea, and I'm going to go first. Go for it. So number one for me on my list is uh, showing up on time, which means that you're early. Uh, okay. If an event is it called really for six thirty, dep- really depends, on and you're the there at six thirty. I would take issue with you that. You really are on the there. Function. You're there. And by the way, I do this a lot because I'm a little bit
1: crazy about time. Really, you had an event last night. Were you there early? No. Why I, not?
0: Because I was unable to be there early. But it's oh, my That's why be, you were unable. Yes.
1: Uh huh. Okay. But it's, it's again, first of all, I think there are types of functions that you you are supposed to show up late to
0: obviously a meeting you're supposed to be on time yes we're, I'm not, we're not we're talking, talking about, about a meeting, a meeting. what's I a know.
1: social event you're not you're supposed to be on time It's okay if it's a four hour event it's okay to pop in in the middle sometimes. If, it, if
0: it's a four hour event you want to be there like you want to get there like between like 45 minutes to an hour 15 late That's right. like so that. that's not on time that's what I'm saying if you show up on time, then you're too early that's the whole point Wait, My nominee what? is showing up too early, which is the same as showing up on time
1: Oh, oh, that's so awkward. You may want to edit this out. I totally didn't understand that. I'm actually going to keep it. I think that you embarrassed me for the last hour. I know you can keep it in. Okay. okay. If this is my biggest embarrassment, that's fine. Okay.
0: Uh, number two, and this is something that I've done as well. And uh, I may have spoken about this um, on the podcast. I don't recall, but it's getting dirty.
1: Oh, my gosh. Okay.
0: And the, I, the story is is that one time I was at a wedding, I was like married for four months and like we're sitting in traffic driving to the wedding hall and I'm just talking about the ribs we're going to eat and we get there. And I just literally dropped the ribs on my wife's dress
1: on her dress. Literally. Wow.
0: Yeah. I can't believe she, she still like forgave me for that. It was bad anyway. So, uh, yeah. So showing up, uh, showing up, showing up, uh, on time slash early and, uh, um, getting yourself dirty on my two nominees and, um, Go for
1: it. All right, so I got one and two, and then when you, do, <laughs> I'll have to find my three, four. Maybe I'll lend you something. Yeah. Anyway, uh, okay. Number one on on your thing is is the name thing. I just want I do want to piggyback off of that. I've I've made that mistake many times. Again, you find yourself in a situation where you may not know someone's name, um, and they may know yours. It's you just you play it easy. I don't guess names. I don't I don't even try. I don't ask people to remind me their names. I'll figure it out later. I just go along with it. So I could have easily been the guy in your story who would have you know, I could have been the fake label. I don't think you would have been. I think you would have been like, I'm I think you would have said, Are you sure it's me? Well I like you would like in a nice way. You I would, would have, have been it out. again, to get called over to the table, I would have been like, Oh, hey, what's going on, guys? And they'd be like, Oh, yeah, you look good. I'm like, Oh, thanks. And then it would have been like Um, and it'd be like, Oh, so you moved to Florida, I'd be like, Oh, I think you got the wrong guy.
0: Can I just say something? I've I've been on the receiving end of this. Um, one time I was like walking like out of like Tel Aviv Bakery and some guy's like oh my gosh I can't beat your back and he like ran over and gave me a hug and like I had no idea who the person was
1: really you're not one of those you're not one of those faces
0: I, I know that's what's like it was, it was like
1: an older guy who actually I see around sometimes I wonder if he remembers the there's a guy me. in Chicago who I get mixed up with a lot we happen to work together a lot in the summers who's that Joseph Santos. yeah no I don't get mixed up with him in Chicago I'll go other places in terms of their names not in terms of your appearance no it's because dark beard basically and we're seen together a Better lot. Whatever. Okay, number two, It's go. Not, not my call. I'm telling you factually. People confuse us sometimes. Anyway, it's okay to play along, you know. Um, and you don't need to make the other guy feel embarrassed. So my my but that that's my takeaway. All right, whatever. That's like not a good one. Number two <laughs> is the, the eating at gatherings, okay? So this is similar to yours. I have a completely different story. It's not about the the mess. It's about like what you choose to eat and oh, how. You still go to mine. Okay, because I'm going have- to I'm getting full on the, on the hors d'oeuvres. Okay. So that's, that's it's included similar. in this. Yeah. This is a little different. So the story goes that like, I was like, whatever, I, I wasn't careful. We were sitting at a table at a conference actually. And, um, shout out to Josh Zwelling who was sitting on my left side and on my right side was a very nice, quiet, uh, camp director from some California camp. um, And I don't even think I I said hi to her and that was about it. And I moved on. I was eating the salad and in the salad were those like hot peppers that I love. And like, I like, like, I'm like, oh, Josh, I love these hot peppers. And I like popped it into my mouth and like, I bit into it like hard. And then I hear the girl on the left side and on the right side of me go, oh, like, oh, I'm like, what? And I turn around and I realize that the pepper squirted the hot pepper juice (laughs) shot her right in the eye. Okay. That's I'm like my gosh i'm so sorry yeah so be careful when you're out there um it's not just about it's about what what foods you eat and and how you eat them yeah be careful with the hot peppers Uh, i was just
0: gonna say on that That's a very
1: embarrassing story i really am still just back to my point um
0: when you are just talking about food like getting full on the hors d'oeuvres is not always a mistake depending on what the main is like you have to scout it up like if they're serving prime rib for the main you should probably
1: not get full on the orders like if it's situational awareness yeah, I'm I'm the type of guy that like if it's there I'm going to eat it. Right. So so it's it's like you're going to you're going to
0: you're going to you're going to power through.
1: I don't regret my I I rarely do I regret my decision.
0: Okay. All right. Uh number 3 for me, um this is an this is an easy one and uh that is uh, either over or underdressing. Shoot. Nothing worse than that. You feel uncomfortable the entire time. Overdressing is not as bad as underdressing cuz you could at least like play it as if like you're a classy dude. Yeah. It's probably a lot worse for a woman though, if like you're overdressed, because like that's like that would stick out more. Like if it's like a casual and you're dressed like f- way too fancy for a yeah, guy, you're wearing a suit. It's like yeah, whatever. I'm a fancy guy, whatever. It's like you know, business casual. Um, underdressing is bad. Under you show up to a function to polish us. It's like funny when like like people ask us all the time like what the, the dress code is for the top golf event. I'm like yeah. people come in shorts, like. There's no dress
1: code. Everyone relax. I know, but you need you, you, it. You, just it's something that people need to kind of discuss. The best is like when go. companies come like like you're kind of a serial guy like that. You're you're oftentimes like, well, what am I gonna wear? Uh, you're the one that's like, oh, what am I gonna wear? No, no.
0: I asked you what I was gonna wear to Florida as a joke because I thought that you would mm. get mad and be like, you're such a loser. It's your first time. You're like a child, and I did it just to annoy you. But okay, okay. Um, and um also on the top top the top confident, like people show up like in a team of like matching polo shirts like as if like it's a golf outing. It's not a golf outing.
1: Anyway, um okay, not their fault. So you're just going to make fun of people that didn't know.
0: And number 4 for me is also uh I've done this as well. Uh not at necessarily a social gathering but uh getting too drunk. Shout out to Chakovicski for not
1: killing me you and running you over the golf cart. You ran yourself over with a golf cart. <laughs> Yeah. Um never yeah, yeah. that once you bring it up, that image isn't by the Let's just say that I uh, have I have owned territory. Yourself. You rolled off the golf cart by yourself. You, I listen. You drove yourself off the golf cart and the golf cart kept going down the fairway. Let's just say that I own and you were the ninth nice hole at Revenue Greens. Oh my gosh. Um all right. So my thing here is um is that moment when you're like alone and you don't know anyone there. You kind of have to own that. Like, don't, it's okay. It's okay to not necessarily have someone to talk to. Don't just retreat and pull out your phone. So what's your, what's your advice? My advice is, is, um. Go talk to somebody. Is find someone to talk to. Because the odds are there's someone there that I could talk to. Now, that leads into my number four. Or go hang out by the bar. Or go hang out by the bar. Yeah. Just go set up shop. Yeah. I mean, if it's really, really bad and you have to like go outside and pretend you're on a phone call. So I guess you could. But. That's not as bad as just sitting there looking at your phone. Correct. You, being on a phone call is better than like scrolling. Yeah. Um, okay. But then that leads into the number four. Speaking of which, by the way, and I think I think
0: that um, a lot of my issues on this podcast are aired out. Um, and it should be noted that I have delet- deleted my Twitter account from my phone.
1: Yes. And I think your quality of life has gone up.
0: Um, I feel like I'm perpetually in withdrawal. So maybe for like the people around me, but I'm not always in a good mood. Okay. Number four. Go
1: ahead. Uh, Number four is this, and this is be weary of these people, okay? I've been in this situation, and it's kind of uncomfortable. Other people, when they're alone, right, so they go to find someone to talk to, and you may find yourself in a situation where someone comes over to you and, like, really eager to, like, talk to you, and then halfway through the conversation you realize you're that guy for them. And then as soon as they can leave and go talk to someone they're actually friends with, they do. And then you're left like, oh, ew. Have you ever had that happen to you? Yeah, I can think of one interaction where that happened to me. I don't want to mention who it was, but I'll tell you after the podcast. Okay. Cause that has happened to me on, on occasion. Um, you know, someone walks in and they're like uncomfortable the first few minutes. They don't know people. So they come over, you're schmoozing with them. And then as soon as they um, see someone that they actually want to talk to, they move on. And don't let that get you down, is what I'm saying. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. That happens, by the way. There's a lot There's a lot more to talk to about that, but okay, that's my made up uh, for. Sorry.
0: Okay, that's not bad. Anyway, um, so we have our interview today with Rebecca Schwab. She's the executive director of Shy Tribe um, and a lot of other things. And she, um, she's pretty out there, so hopefully she'll... This is going to be a lot? Are you going to need to edit a lot? Probably. But that's good and bad. That means we're having fun. It also means that it's going to take a lot of time. Alrighty then, we now welcome to the show the executive director of Shy Tribe and self-proclaimed uh,
1: connoisseur of Jewish life. That's definitely not how she described it, and she may have a certificate, a so I don't know why you're saying self. Oh, do you have a degree in?
2: Yeah, that's, I, I do actually have a degree in Jewish studies and Hebrew and Semitic studies. Oh, and now studies. she's
0: educating, yeah, educational real. shaming us. Uh, Rebecca Joey Schwab. Welcome to the show. Yeah,
2: thank you so much for having me. Let's call it Jewish expert. I, I'm saying I'm a Jewish professional expert because being a professional Jew, I've been called, but doesn't have a great ring to it. I work with a lot of different Jewish organizations that have different business models that may look like a normal non profit or may not. And I think Jewish organizations need a lot of help reaching millennials and Gen Z where they're at. We saw that a lot during the pandemic and I have been working on campus throughout the world since I was just graduated and now I work with adults. So my goal is take them from, and I also was a youth advisor. So the whole spectrum of this cycle of Jewish engagement is something I specialize in. Also, I do digital media, which is good since we're all online.
1: Yeah. Now you really get your time to shine with COVID.
2: I did. I did. And it was a weird, but It wasn't fortuitous. It was Shy Tribe's proof of concept is like, okay, we're a calendar. People needed a calendar. They needed to know what was going on. They needed a portal. And then that existed for a year or two years. Then there was a pandemic. Not only did they not need a portal, that was what they needed more than anything because they didn't have anything but a way to then find everything else. And the need for Shy Tribe was only proved. So it was like, I wish the pandemic didn't happen because I'd already proved the concept of the importance of this organization. But it being around during the pandemic, I think is a huge benefit for Jewish life. And I wish this existed in more cities because there are a lot of Jews throughout the country that are sitting alone, disconnected because it's been over a year and they don't know how to, being on Zoom is weird. And it's very hard to be good at doing these virtual experiences. So it took me 50 weeks to create the ways to make Shabbat communities not feel awkward. And they still feel awkward for two weeks and It's okay, but that is not normal skills. So, Shy Tribe had a platform to deal with the insanity that was last year. We're also dealing with scaling back up and what that means safely, and that's a whole other spectrum. So, yeah, the pandemic was really great. Uh, let's, let's call it that. Sure,
1: um, I want to hear what's in the bottle? I want
2: this is water, and it's in my Anshay Emmett religious school water bottle, and I use it all the time, even though I no longer am in person. So I'll drink water during Zoom calls. It's a good way to make yourself self stop talking. <laughs>
1: um, I want to hear more about Shy Tribe, because I don't believe that a lot of our listeners will be familiar with Shy Tribe. But before we get to that, and your role there as executive director, I'm curious just sort of uh, if you could tell us a little bit about your background, um, and how you kind of got involved in Jewish communal work.
2: Yeah, so I... I am from Skokie, Illinois. I grew up in the shtetl, as my mother calls it. She was very excited on her weather app that she changed the word Skokie to say shtetl instead. So now that whenever she looks at the weather, it's the weather of the shtetl. We call the village market that's on Dempster the Shuk because it carries a lot of Israeli products and also Greek and Russian products. But, you know, so I'm from I'm from that area and that kind of family, um, I was I went to Selma Schecter And I went to Niles North. So I got a public high school experience that had a lot of Jews at the high school, less and less by the time I was there. So my parents, my mother who went to Niles North, very different probably Jewish experience, and my dad at Niles East than I at Niles North. But I was Israeli club president because that was a thing. And I took Hebrew all four years. And it was probably some of the instruction was better and higher quality than I received at private school because of the framework of learning in a public school and that was the first time I started learning Hebrew in public school I became fluent because of it so thank you Schechter for the basis thank you Niles North for the fluency and um I was very involved with Young Judea I'm actually wearing Young Judea sweatshirt I was a camper but then I was a counselor and being a counselor is way better than being a camper for those that it's not I feel bad for them because being a counselor is so much better and um I worked at camp and then I was the youth advisor over the course of seven years for like, or the course of eight years for like five of them. So I was very involved with working with my campers that had been eight, nine, 10, 11, that now are 21, 22, 23, but when they were in high school and at the same time, when I graduated college, I didn't see a career outside of the Jewish world. I had been part of a program when I studied abroad in Israel as a junior, a Hebrew called I don't know what they would call it now, but something through Massah. And it basically was a Jewish professional program that taught you about, this is an industry, by the way, and here's how you can use the fact that you majored in Hebrew or Jewish studies to use it in the field. And I was, I was the first time someone told me you could do camp for the rest of your life. Oh, there you go. It's really, but I don't want to do camp for the rest of my life. But that was like the first time it was opened up to me or I could do birthright or something that. I saw it as a fun, the best part of what I did voluntarily, how I can make them do a job. Like that is so cool. So my first job out of college was Hillel. I only applied for Jewish organizations. Um, I was deciding between doing Avodah, the Jewish Service Youth Corps. Sorry, Avodah, I don't want your stipend. It's too little money, but I recommend a lot of people for it in Chicago and um, working at the University of Wisconsin Hillel right out of college, right? Uh, my Hillel that I worked at as a student intern now as a professional immediately after I graduated all my friends still in college very weird to be on a campus and then you're told you can't have the same friendships you did there isn't a huge Jewish community in Madison there's a huge Jewish student community so it was as if I was cut off from the five to ten thousand Jews that existed because of my new role Um, and I worked on campus immediately working at Hillel is sort of like being a camp counselor for adults if you like it and you can make it fun, and it can be very, very difficult, strenuous work. Joe, so it's always being a camp counselor. Um, I only did the camp counselor thing for three years, and I did the Hillel thing for two. You don't work nine to five, like you work Sundays. Why? Because half the staff is Israeli, and they're like, okay, let's come in on Sundays. We always come Sundays. And then your boss is like, we're not paying you overtime to do Sundays because you don't, because that's an, we're like working in a weird American Israeli bubble. And we just would come in, work all the time. I was, I worked every Shabbat, almost every single Shabbat for two years. And then I would go to my Jewish co-op because I lived in Madison, Wisconsin. So I clearly lived in a Jewish co-op and do another Shabbat. So I did two Shabbats, sometimes three, mostly two for two years, every single Friday. Um, dinners, Shabbat, and I hosted them too. Um, and that is how I got in the Jewish world, right? I was never not in the Jewish world. Here's a point. When I was 17 years old and on the young Judea Midwest Muziki route, Bernie Madoff stole all of the funding for Hadassah and a bunch of other people's organizations. Bernie Madoff stealing the funding meant that 17 year old Rebecca was running conventions and working with the bus company to pick up the kids at the airport and then also distributing scholarship grants. That's not a question that really happened. And there was no paid staff. So as 17, I learned what it's like to run a part, it wasn't the camp, it was the year-round programming, like a youth movement. What it's like to run a non-funded Jewish organization. When you start learning that when you're 17, it's hard to unlearn that maybe you should get paid more or something. If you've been doing it for 12 years, it's hard to relearn that. So there you go.
1: And how did you get involved with Shy Tribe? And what is Shy
2: Tribe? I founded Shy Tribe. Okay. So it was easy to get involved when you get in there on the ground level. Shy tribe. It is a response to the fact that it is not easy nor accessible to connect to Jewish Chicago. If you're not in the Orthodox community and you're not, even if you are, and you decide, I want to branch out and understand the city's large Jewish landscape. It wasn't easy, but there's such a magnitude of Jewish life. That doesn't make sense. So I matched with someone on Hinge because that's what you do, and he obviously said he was Jewish, I was Jewish, and Sam is my co-founder, he's now married, he met someone through Shy Tribe, Mazel Tov, Sam and Leslie, Um, and he messaged me something like, the pickup line, what did you go do, what's your favorite part, what's your favorite Jewish camp memory, and I was like, this line is so bad, dude, oh my God, and look, I'm the biggest camp person, I was like, that's horrifying, and then our conversation almost died, but I think I said something like, what do you do, and he said, well, I'm actually trying to work on this Jewish side project. And I said, what? I'm a Jewish professional because I was, whatever that means. I was, I worked in the Jewish world and I just moved to Chicago and I, I wanted to know more. And he was like, okay, I want to do this, this, and this. And I was like, Oh, like that organization, DC gather DC, which is what we founded our, we based it on this premise that if you start, if you build it, they will come. If you start doing happy hours and make a calendar, people want it. No one does it to do it. And it was just started in DC, a transient city. We took the same principles to Chicago and he had a ready paid for the name and he put the website up. He's a developer. He didn't do any of the other stuff. So I came in and I was like, let's add all the organizations. Let's make content. Let's do social media. Let's do events. Our launch event was um, August, 2018. And we had 300 people. And what is shy tribe? what is it the enigma of what is that like it's a website there's a calendar we put everything jewish on the calendar so in and of itself okay that's self-explanatory what is the in-person part of it our goal was to say and prove which we have there is a need for a, a less a way less barrier to entry whether that means money whether that means religiosity whether that means anything entry point to meeting Jews and then feeling comfortable attending Jewish events. The number one thing the Jewish professionals say, and I am an expert in this, so I can actually say is it's really hard to get people to come to things in person if they don't know someone else going, that the majority of people want that connection in advance. Shy Tribe in it in its capacity as an online turned IRL experience is anything that we are very influential in online, we can translate to in person. That means you can be connected to events, you go to events, you meet people, you end up going to more events. The Shy Tribe Happy Hours and the Shabbat cluster experiences were gateway, not drugs, gateway experiences to just meeting the people that you would want to go to everything else with. That didn't exist. So we created a network within a network that shows people Jewish Chicago. Now we also profile Jewish people of the week. Surely so was nominated yeah. because he's fantastic, I obviously. He's I don't slightly know who above average. Him. His, who did nominate, me, who did nominate views, you? Someone deeply invested in the Jewish world that cares a lot about its success. Gotcha. Um, you know, but is he asked me if? Funny he how had that works. Views. No, hundreds, hundreds of views. We get people want to click on Jewish. But people did anyone say, say like, think, oh, who
0: is that? Probably no.
1: everyone. No.
2: They read it and said, oh, that's who he is. This is an entire article written about a person and who he is.
1: You had a good line though. You had a very good line. What was it that you? Um. When the when the tribe gathers, you'd yeah. Like when to... the tribe gathers, I, I really like that. that one. We'll quote it. What was it? It was. It was when you I said, said. What did I say? When the tribe said, gathers, there will be a lot of
0: schmoozing. A lot of. Sh- I said. I said there'll be a lot, um there'll be schmoozing, more food, and
1: someone trying to set up their grand their grandchild yeah, their grandchild. Yeah, that was cute. That was good that's use. Some good, for some, that's some, healthy, some healthy, some healthy Yeah, that is, what it is. Um. What's next? Yeah, I like what's? That. I mean, obviously, I'm sure COVID has has um has caused a shy tribe to. Uh, to exist differently than maybe it had the years prior um but what's next what's next for Shine tribe
2: yeah so years prior we were doing monthly happy hours and that was a free experience and we would work with bars to either get a kickback or we always had free space so the cost was nothing of the happy hours it was all about being connectors and having the right people there to meet not to meet people to make the right people in the room connect and that is what I've learned how to do. And that's what I've taught a lot of other people and my board members and my volunteers. So making it a space where people, one, you got to choose a cool bar. The Jews of Chicago are picky. Like you got to choose fun, different places. Nomadically, we wandered, they want to go to River West. They want to, they, when I did one in Logan Square, the most common thing I heard was I've never been to Logan Square before. So, you know, the Jews need a reason to branch out and to branch out. And we were creating a platform for that right before the pandemic hit, we had up to eight different Shabbat groups that would meet once a month, every three months we'd cycle through and it's by location. So you would meet with the same group of people, this idea, not just a one-off Shabbat, which is a lot of what is being provided in different Jewish organizations is like, here's a Shabbat every few months here, creating a community so that maybe you would actually want to go to Shabbat with someone else to any other Shabbats. Now you have friends or you can do it yourself we were up to eight clusters with over 150 people when we had to shut down so we really started from nothing we started from like one shabbat one time in august of 2018 to by 2020 march we were at eight with volunteers and we were working with one table who helped provide funding to support shabbat dinners and we were in partnership with them and like really scaling out and the question is how to rescale out with all of these new like safety issues so we have been doing Shabbat clusters virtually. Now we do actually have five different clusters. Took me a year, but I did somehow almost, it's not the same amount of people. It's a different experience, but one group's a meeting for a full year. Since the pandemic hit and I put it out, do you wanna meet every single, every single week? So my understanding is that if this exists and I created it virtually, the demand must be so much greater in person. So then how do we create the exact same thing we're already doing? Game nights should stay online, for instance. Some things that we used to, we did, the, oh my God, we did 40 game nights, but that started just every week. Then we did it bi-weekly, then we did it monthly. Why shouldn't that be a virtual program? That's a good virtual, pro- do that virtually. But Shabbat does have such power to be in person. So how do we start gathering them safely? How small do the groups have to be? Where do they have to be gathering? And it's a lot of logistics. So era of July 4th, two years ago, 2019, I decided let's do a happy hour on July 3rd, specifically call it Air of July 4th. And everyone's like, you know, like mean girl style. No one's going to say fetch. No one's going to say that. No, everyone's going to say that. I think American Jews are always waiting for this holiday that never existed. We took out over a whole bar. We had space and then Diag that is now closed, the entire bar, because this idea of Jews celebrating the 4th of July, calling it Air of July 4th. And then the next day you're off. So this people could go watch fireworks together that they met, friend groups, like, and it was huge. And I think one way we could scale forward, we're working on creating smaller groups with volunteers that are based on interest, meeting virtually, that will eventually meet in person if we can after two months of virtual, once everyone or most people are vaccinated outside the weather. I wanna do an, another era of July 4th. I wanna do, but to do a happy hour, and to do it safely Now i'm gonna have to consult a lot of doctors am i gonna have to ask people to submit their vaccination records do i have to say it's vaccination only am i allowed to say that probably i, I have to actually figure it out because i want to do a beach happy hour first jewish program that shy trouble have done in over a year and a half on july 3rd air of july 4th make it as celebratory as humanly possible but as safe and to be a model, like to really model how it's supposed to look when you do it safely to rescale. And I don't know. And I can't promise that I can. Right now, that is my biggest goal.
0: Where do you get your funding?
2: What funding?
1: Um. Well, how, uh, uh, how did you uh, pay for your breakfast this morning? Yes.
2: Well, I work. Really well, first of all, it was water. Jobs. She
1: was drinking water. water. Oh, you work other jobs?
2: Yeah, I don't actually think I've eaten yeah i was like what's breakfast breakfast i didn't eat um
1: i'm still curious how shy tribe is funded though because i didn't realize do you have other jobs
2: shy tribe so first of all how is shy tribe funded the answer is some paid programming donations and my goal is we're moving towards a earned sponsorship revenue model so a combination on where we are a 501c3 that's fiscally sponsored under jumpstart which is a Jewish jumpstart which is a Jewish incubator that will house organizations that are building themselves and really help us with their back end and our accounting meaning when you donate to Shy Tribe it's tax deductible but I didn't have to file as a 501c3 so we are we are a business I want to incorporate eventually into a combination um not 501c3 LLC where you're able to earn advertisement and revenue from Jewish organizations that want to say, hey, Rebecca, make this our featured event. Yeah, that costs money. Now, at first it didn't because I had to prove that it should. Now it costs money. And in the future, I really want to work with local restaurants and be able to create content that's like, you know, I love Lashuk and I know them very well. So they have the best hummus in Chicago, in my opinion. So I want the secret hummus recipe, the best ways to do this and this like fun content that it also promotes and has a promo code. That's like 15% off when you shy tribe. Not only did you learn something, get a video and learn about a local business, they're being supported. There is money to be made in that not right now during the pandemic. So I want to charge Jewish organizations to use our network and our resources and our digital media and our Instagram stories. We kill it on Instagram. No other Jewish organization kills it except for Hey Alma. They're just, they're way better. And this is the biggest issue of my generation and the truth. We can't charge them as as constituents in the same way that the synagogue model used to work. And the sooner that we start acknowledging that and finding workarounds, people want to do a membership model. That only works if you have a very committed and driven niche community. A membership model to get the Shy Tribe email seems outlandish to me. Not to get the promo email with all the food discounts, right? But that's that's seven steps down the road. So how do I charge people right now, my age? I'm 29. So younger than me. And then before they have sustainable income and that's a very large range nowadays. And they don't want to pay 30 something year olds want to pay 20 something year olds. Don't, what will they pay for? And it's a really hard thing. And I have decided, and so is my board that we do not want to make our earned revenue model based on our constituents. We want to make it based on grants in the future. And, um, donations and largely event production and the ability to promote and using advertisement because of our huge reach rather than charging people $18 to come to a happy hour. Cause I just don't think they'll come and I need them to come cause they need to come or Jewish continuity is not going to happen.
1: Um You mentioned t- take a drink. You mentioned <laughs> take
2: a drink. <laughs> It's a, you're interviewing me. I know. Okay. we more questions you, in.
1: You mentioned um, the synagogue model, and you mentioned, uh, quote unquote, your generation, which isn't that far from from our generation, or at least my generation. Um, She's the same age as me. I know. So I, I, I think that, I guess my, uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear from- I have from, three less kids, though. That's true. Him. That's oh, true. Okay. And, I have, and you have five less than Ari. So. Um, I yeah. I, um, I'm curious to hear from your perspective. You know, I think that there's obviously many different corners to the Jewish world and the Jew- and, and Jewish communal work. And it, it sometimes feels like, depending on who you're speaking to, we're either doing a good job or we're not doing a good job. Engagement is either increasing or decreasing. Um, everyone's kind of got their own challenges. Um, but as someone who really has kind of really planted themselves in this Jewish communal engagement space, um, I'm curious if you think... We're starting to, or at least parts of our community, are starting to really like get with the times. Um, and what and and what have what do you think are like the biggest differences between the synagogue model, which is I, I think maybe struggling, um, whereas what 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 it is that shy Tribe and the like do?
2: Yeah, I think I learned about this best when I actually took a Jewish studies class at the University of Wisconsin. It was called "From Shtetl to Suburb: The American Jewish Experience." I loved my professor, Tony Michaels, who won't be listening to this. He's a very liberal Jew, uh, but he was fantastic. And from that perspective, the synagogue model, I will define it. In the 1950s and 60s, specifically the boomer generation, when they were children, when my mom and dad were kids, it was very common to have moved from city because of the push to move to suburbs. This was a, it was for Jews to leave the cities because of a different uh, metro issues throughout the country and also as part of a larger movement that was saying, go have more space. This is an American mindset, like leave the city. So the Jews were part of that. So it was part of the spread. And many Jews moved from, you know, Metro Detroit, Metro Chicago to the surrounding areas, West Bloomfield and then the North Shore of Chicago, respectively. So what happened is the synagogue model already started to be less effective, which is why the Jewish community center model came up. This idea of a JCC being a place for a gym, for classes, for plays. And that model in the sixties and seventies also stopped to really work. So the model that we're still sort of using was invented or innovated in a way of the times that don't exist anymore, which we see a lot of the repercussions of that throughout society. And it's an interesting question, like why are we kind of stuck in the fifties and sixties? Why, what, what, and are we? My response would be to some experience, yes. And it, my understanding is because throughout any corporation, any organization, any industry, you have entrenched leadership. They stay the head of that executive director forever and nothing can change until they got, they'll never get fired. And I mean this across the board. I saw it in all different kinds of Jewish organizations. So now that that entrenched leadership is actually not leaving on their own. Some have been forced out. Some actually just die or retire. That is the truth of the situation that now it's 2020 and so 21. Oh my God. The synagogue model died. It died and the JCC model also didn't work. But the Hillel model started up. That's the JCC for a college campus. You know what really works? Chabad. Why? Because they're really good at what they do. They got a very clear message. They understand the importance of digital media. Even before that was a thing, they're like all of our websites have to look the same. Okay, there has to be some kind of solidarity amongst us. And Hillels are now very much Coming to the times, but I would say Chabad got there first. And it's funny like, you re- say that because that—that's what at.
0: kind of bothers me about like the Chabad websites. They're all the exact same, so it's like it's like hard to like. Yeah, but it's quality, right? Who cares but if it's isn't quality? Isn't there merit in the
2: fact? No, that there is. is. You're bringing a good point, I, and I—I I
0: appreciate it more. It's just like, let's say you're going on a Chabad website and you want to find the million times. It's like very hard to find because they're all like so, like the the the, the branding is very. I guess.
2: But you can always find the rabbi at it's always the same the, that j- chabad something and then you can contact them. The ability to get in touch with them, their accessibility is. I learned so much, and I'm not a chabadnik by any means. I love, I love some chabads and others. I've had bad experiences. That you know, it's hit or miss. But the approach of uniformity, solidarity, and a digital footprint that looks exactly the same speaks volumes a very to a generation point. that is an internet generation. Hillel is doing a much better job now. And now our websites are a lot more similar. But Shy Tribe came because I was realizing our website needs to be so clear. One stop everything. That's what we're missing in every city. Why doesn't this exist? And what's interesting is now like my Jewish learning is sort of moving to a model to try to do one for the entire country. That is good luck. And I've talked to them and I love what they're doing. But like, that is so much work. Let the cities deal with themselves first. Now that we we need to acknowledge that my generation isn't gonna pay for a synagogue membership until they need to get married. And sometimes they'll just do the rent rabbi thing, which is fine. Meaning for until they might have a child and decide then I wanna be part of a congregation or even still not, I'll just go for high holidays and this one I'll pay more money for. That entire model is gone. So what's the in-between? And the in-between exists with the 75 different Jewish organizations operating in Chicago, doing non-synagogue things. Everything in between from J-baby, Jewish life for Jewish moms that are mommy and me groups for Jews to like what's a really outlandish thing that you guys would never have known. Um, I love uh, Svara, which is Talmud study for queer, radically inclusive Jewish community. It is the coolest Talmud experience I've ever had because they're studying dafyomi and they were told their whole lives that they couldn't because of their gender preference or their sexuality. They want to study it way more than I do. And now they're given a framework to be, I can study Talmud and I can be part of this. And that is so cool. And I think everyone should have the ability to click on any Shabbat they want on Friday and also be able to find Tavar or Mishkan or any Chabad, everything one place. Why not? Why is it so hard?
1: So it sounds like we've really pivoted a lot in your perspective. In other words, we really are kind of coming together uh, for the times. And, and there are plenty of platforms that are engaging Engaging Jewish youth, I'm curious.
2: Was the pandemic an impetus? Is what I would ask you. Like I think so. I think in a lot of ways we were not there a year ago. If we had this conversation in March of 2020, I would have been like, "Oh, the synagogues and they're trying to push this, and the way they're doing this, right. and the and this." But everything had to change.
1: The the um we just had already realized that the Orthodox community is like has its own narrative that is so, um, separate and different in so many ways and runs parallel to kind of all of these things. But I, I am still very much aware of a lot of things you're talking about. I'm curious, um, though, cause especially with shy tribe, like what happens, you know, no one's graduating from shy tribe, but like, you know, what is the shy tribe of that next chapter of someone's life?
2: Such a good question. So once again, I, I started this when I was I wanted to say 27. Right. So yeah, I think it was 26. So I was already like my mindset and I still am. And it's a very specific type of my life. Like I'm trying to create a career. I'm trying to make money before I'm ready to get married and have a family. Like it's very important to me as a woman to do that, establish myself first. So I didn't even think about the 40 something year olds that might live in Chicago or the moms that want to get out of the house or the divorcees that approached me and said, we need divorcee only Jewish happy hours for non, like super observant, but everything in between. And I was like, oh, honey, honey, please. I've not even been married once. Like my dad's a divorce lawyer, but I don't know how to deal with you. So that has been asked to me so many times that actually I started, it's very hard to call it what it is in the Jewish world. You guys say 20 somethings, 30 something. You can't say if you are 36 and between the ages of that and 50, Please do not, you can't say that. So I did start to create happy hours and we would call it different things. First, we started with 30 somethings, but that really brought in a larger than 35 plus audience. And then the 20 somethings knew not to come. We did that first in 2019 and we had probably, or 2018 and probably, no, twenty nineteen. we had like 60 people. So I saw from, they have to tell me their age when they sign, in. So I saw, okay, there's an interesting spread here. I was first approached about divorce communities and that kind of thing and I was like I did not realize there was such a need the next happy hour we did in December of 2019 right before yeah right before the end of the year at the Hanukkah pop-up bar did you know there was one Hanukkah pop-up bar called um at the Graystone Tavern and they called it eight crazy nights in all 13 bars of Christmas one bar decided to go Hanukkah for the first time ever and I was so excited I worked with them to help have Jewish happy hours through every different Jewish organization, Hadassah, Shalva, everything in between. And they would give the proceeds to the organization. The only and they're non-Jews. And there's an article about it. It's so cool. So we had a 30-something that I called 35 plus this time. I was like, no, 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 no. Let's call it what it is. I had over 150 people come out that were between the ages of 36 to 40 to 50, that might have been married, might have been single, that wanted a Jewish casual experience in a cool Hanukkah pop-up bar that is powerful information that I can't do that much with because the pandemic hit two months later but to know that that generation is needing something and I can't put my finger on exactly what it is there is a need that is as great in my generation as is in theirs and I'm and I'm reaching them so now what do I do with that so the answer is I there is there is no graduation from shy tribe because it turns out shy tribe spans your entire Jewish life So how do I then make an organization that I hope one day to hire someone that works with the 20s, with the 30s, with the young families, with the 40s and with the 50s separately? These are all different groups that have different needs and different wants, and we should treat them as such.
1: Um, Let's get real for a second. You sounds like you you've really thrown yourself into uh, into this this own, you know, this space Um, and you're and you're making sacrifices for it. Like, what do you get up in the morning for? Like what really drives you? You mentioned Jewish continuity. Um, obviously there's this whole piece of like that belonging and engagement and that, that community feel. Um, but what, what is it at its core that really has you doing what it is that you do?
2: Yeah. So I'll actually speak for my perspective, not just from shy tribe, but the way I'm calling myself as a Jewish expert in a Jewish professional world of engagement and marketing and just the next generation gen z millennial whatever gen xa whatever calling it i have definitely made sacrifices it is very difficult to have such a robust skill set truly that in corporate america would be being uh compensated in an incredibly different way but i never worked in corporate america so even though and this is hard to do. It's very important to always, it's very hard to remember your worth when you're so undercompensated and knowing that you're worth it, even though you've decided for some reason, and you, sh- and this is what I must fight against. You must Why, why shouldn't I be paid? Of course I should be paid. This is insane. This work is so valuable. Why do I do, why do I do it unpaid? So I, I do work. I, I work in consulting and I do marketing for a rope and I'm the marketing director there. And I also teach Hebrew school. I also tutor. I might be teaching a Hebrew program through a high school. I do a lot of side gigs to help. And I have a stable income as a result of it. I do consulting. I take on new clients. I do website development. I speak the language of the Hebrew man. And I can convert that to Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and what have you. So I do all of the like. The reason I do it is because I actually couldn't imagine using all the energy that I clearly have for anything else. Like I tried, I thought about it in college. I was like, took a poli-sci class. I'll be a lawyer like my dad.
1: Boring. What, poli-sci?
2: Hard no. Yeah, I just hated it. I hated it. And maybe I should've taken a different class that was more indicative of what actually being a lawyer is because I probably wasn't a good lawyer. But I just can't imagine wanting to do anything else. Like nothing else is, I think my mom said my whole life and she's alive so I don't know why I framed it like that. My mother has taught me my whole life. (laughs) The most important part about having a job and a career is doing something you love that you can make money. Which is why I envy stand-up comedians so much, and I, I do some stand-up, but it's not something I'm going to try to make a career out of because the love that I approach comedy with, also and also comedians approach comedy with, to get paid to do something you love that much. That's how I feel about Judaism, and it's not it's not being a rabbi, it's not teaching, it's not always teaching Jewish education. It's creating Jewish connections and being part of a community that needs to be a community and able to survive in the world as it changes. That is the only thing I want to do at all. I don't, what else, what else would I do? And I guess digital marketing. Ew. So,
0: so you consider yourself a digital marketing expert. We have a podcast.
2: I'm a digital marketing professional. Professional. Maybe we should just hire her.
0: Well, let's see what, let's see what she says first. Maybe she has good advice. How, how, if you, in 90 seconds or more, how should we? Uh, how Judging should we from be the interviews so podcast? far, I'm
1: not sure that 90 seconds. I don't think Rebecca's capable of answering. That's why I said 90 I mean, seconds or more.
2: 20, 90 seconds. I can. I can do 90 seconds.
1: I said I didn't say 90 so seconds or
0: less. Be... I said 90 seconds or more. Oh, Okay.
2: Say it again, though. What's the
0: question? Uh, so we have this podcast, which we think is valuable, and um, I would say that listenership has been stagnant. So if you were to tell us.
1: Not bad. I mean, it's a couple no, thousand. I say it was bad. It's I a couple segment, thousand you got, If you're not going episode, up, you're going
0: down, right? So we got to go up. You still haven't you're, asked the question. What are you
2: doing on? Yeah, you're not asking a question. What are you doing on social media? What are you, what are nothing. you doing? The right? Nothing. The answer
0: is nothing. We're, we're doing nothing. We're, we're, we're lazy. Have, oh, okay. We don't have time.
1: Yeah. We know the answer. So
2: then that's your answer. Maybe Beginning the answer is, is we
1: have to hire her.
2: You probably do. And in a side note, it, if you're not doing anything on social media, we're living in a pandemic. So word of mouth, I'm I'm so glad if you guys gather together with Matt. Oh, it's a pretty
1: good, a pretty good but, point. But, you know. We're saying, we're saying. Like, She's saying it's, it, there's, it's a pandemic. There's no word of mouth.
2: Right. So what else do you have? We're all listening to a podcast. I'm not necessarily going to tell. Like, I'll tell people I was on this podcast and share it on my social media. What if you had a blog post for every single um, podcast you did with important pull quotes and, you know, like a, an image of the person and a few questions about them and their logo and I got a question. their website.
1: What if we had a person that did this for us for free? Yeah, okay, but we
2: don't.
1: <laughs> no way. But we don't. We had an intern. Shout we had out to, to Cappuccino Carly. We, we had did. an
0: intern for a short period. If you know anyone in college that wants to do this for free.
1: Yeah, if you know any social media. No, you I sure would,
0: know somebody.
2: No. no, I would use them for myself, so no.
0: But- um, Rebecca, thanks so much. This was a lot of fun. We appreciate your insight. And, um, We'll have to, uh, next time We will have to come into the, into the studio because. <laughs> Let's
2: yeah. Get vaccinated. It'll be fun. Yeah. All oh,
1: right. well, that was fun. Um, I'm not sure what my biggest takeaway is. There's so many things to, to take from it, but I will say kudos to her. Yes. She, um, she believes in what she does. She yes. sacrifices for what she does. And um, I think that's awesome. I think that actually is probably my biggest takeaway is I think we met a very cool uh, non-for-profit personality Mm -hmm. um, who really believes in this and is, is, is passionate about it and it's fun. Yeah. To that, to that
0: point, I always like meeting people that feel like, even though they could be doing something else elsewhere. They're just roughing it out here with us. So
1: yeah, like we're all like, you know, you think like, oh, I'm in the trenches, but we're all in the trenches together. And you know, like, I, I also, like, when people leave the field, I feel, like, the opposite way. I get like, Yeah, and right? no, I've heard you say
0: that, too. Yeah, anyway.
1: Okay, uh, a I quick... Have, yeah, I have a couple of things. You have a couple of things? Like, for yeah. segments? I just have one little nugget I want to throw out called Ari's Nugget. Well,
0: let me do the... the, the I got a first. nugget
1: first. Okay, you go for it. All right, we'll do my nugget after. Go.
0: So, uh, I got this text for the, uh, the amateurs. What is the proper response to someone who hasn't spoken to you for over two years, lives in a different city... And sends you two PMs about donating to their campaign that you couldn't give a darn about. Please speak about this in the podcast. So I feel like we have addressed this in various yeah, I think different ways. Yeah, we have talked about this. Yeah, um, but again, my my
1: simple answer always is, um, just ignore them. Yeah, you go. You can ghost them. I mean, they want it, People want to feel like it's okay to write back. Um, well, hey, nice to hear from you, or something, which you could do. I mean, also, I think that I think that we have to. Um, it's important to to build uh, the culture that saying no is okay. Yes, and 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 a no is better than a ghost. Yes, I've been saying that for a while. But I also I think this for our we have a lot of listeners who do fundraise, um, and I think it's a lesson. Listen, if you're running your own campaign and you go into your text message with a person, a particular person, and you realize that the last time you reached out to them was the last a year ago when you ran the same campaign, maybe think of a different way of communicating with them or maybe not, maybe pass on it and say, I'm not going to ask them for money today. Yeah. I'm going to make a note. And in two weeks from now, when I recover from this, um, campaign, I'm going to start to uh, rekindle the friendship there. Yes. Because you're only doing damage at that point mm-hmm. by throwing, by yep. throwing yep. darts, arrows, whatever you say. Yeah. Um, so that's the lesson for the non people. But I, I listen, as a recipient of those text messages, I really think it's okay to say, hey, thanks for reaching out, um, but not not really interested or not my thing. Um, I think that's okay. Okay.
0: Um, do you want to see your nugget now? I also I have a motivational Yeah, I have an interesting
1: nugget. Because I also have a motivational quote. So there is an article I read today in the New York Times. pretty hilarious. So we have a policy on the podcast. We don't talk about politics. Of okay. Course, yes. Right. But we didn't have a policy that we don't talk about foreign politics. Oh, Interesting. that's quite a, yeah.
2: okay. so it's quite a
1: loophole. I don't know if everyone's following. I don't, I don't know. I didn't see the interview of uh, Meghan Markle. Is that how you pronounce her name? Meghan Markle? Yeah. And Prince Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's given a lot of hilarious material to the social media world. Do you mean um, like memes? Just say memes. No, it's not just memes. It's not just memes. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Um, so apparently, someone started a GoFundMe for them. Oh, do you know about this? No, I did that not. It's hilarious. You're gonna Google okay. this afterwards. Uh, someone started a GoFundMe. They wanted to pay off the the remainder of their mortgage. They bought a house for like sixteen point four million dollars in Montecito. Um, I think that's in the Santa Barbara area of California. Must be nice. It's supposed to be supposed to be pretty pretty fancy over there. It's like a huge. That's a pun, by the way. Yeah, I know. Because it, it's probably also nice. Yeah. Um. And they are left paying off payments of like thirteen million something dollars or fourteen million dollars, I think. Um. So this lady wanted to start a GoFundMe for them. She was really taken aback by their interview with Oprah. Um. The GoFundMe has since been taken down. It was up for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, it got some sort of recognition, and it collected a total of a hundred and ten dollars. Three donations.
0: Okay. Well, they're still hoping. Uh, no.
1: So I think there's a lesson. We still have faith I in think humanity. There's a lesson here. We do have faith in humanity. Yep. I think there's a lesson here, and there's probably a lot of lessons. But um, if you're gonna start a GoFundMe, um, make sure it's for a good cause. That's all I'm saying. Make sure it's yeah. for a good cause. Keep your dignity intact. Yeah.
0: Okay. I just have a quick motivational quote.
1: Okay. I really, there's so much good in that New York Times article. But. um, Okay. Maybe uh, I'll share it with a, you'll have to tweet about it. Yeah, maybe I'll tweet about it. It's a good idea. Get on my Twitter.
0: Okay, quick motivational quote. You are not useless because you can still be used as a bad example. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah, all right. Listen, uh, everyone keep that in mind. And uh, I don't know if we're going to see you uh, before Passover or not. Probably not. I we think don't see
1: saying. anyone, actually. I'm saying.
0: But I, I think we're not getting back in until.
1: Yeah, we need we're, to uh We're on the. Uh, we've gotten a lot of people that have volunteered to be interviewed. And of those volunteers, almost none of them do we actually want to interview. So if you have a good interview idea, please send it our way. And we still need a health coach. And um, homies.
2: Homies looking out for me. They don't the want family. I've been on that melody. It's obvious design. But I'm going to do what I love, do what I love I'm going to do me and you can do you But I'm going to do what I love, do what I love, do,
0: I love, do So here we are, you're now a man What what's, what are your plans for your your first week as a man? What do you
2: want to do? I don't know, do good stuff, I
0: don't know That's not very vague. you haven't thought about it at all A whole year you're preparing for your bar mitzvah And you haven't thought one thing What am I going to do the first week I'm a man?
1: Um I have absolutely no
0: clue uh, rest. Okay. How does it I, I, I,
1: how different do okay, you feel question, better question, better question. now than you did last week?
0: Um better, I don't know. I feel like I have more responsibility.
1: Okay, good. Outsider, better question. Okay. So,
0: uh, how you, you, how do you, you would grade the uh, how how would you rate yourself on the laning today? Scale of 1 to 10.
1: 40. Boy, whoa. That's pretty good. Is we verify it with uh, an outsider? No, I think we're good. Okay. mouse.